And hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What's up, DNVR golf fam? It's the Golf Bros, your boys, Big Drive Spence and Big Drive Mitch, here for another episode of Big Drive Energy. Uh, we had an eventful week last week doing two episodes. I hope you all enjoyed that podcast with Kelly McCandless. I think she shared a lot of awesome insight, and we were both very impressed by not only her knowledge of the game of golf, but her ability to speak. She's been doing it for a long time, teaching a lot of lessons, so... I'm sure we'll have more stuff with her in the future. She was a great, great to have on. So once again, thank you, Kelly. Also, we had a, a huge weekend in golf that we're going to get to today. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Been on that app a lot, winning some money on the Nugs, winning some money on the NCAA tournament, et cetera, et cetera. Winning some money on golf. We just missed out on 45 units. Our unit would have been massively showing yeah if you would have been on the uh, avalanche money line even money line the entire month of march you'd be doing pretty darn good nine oh and two in the month of march that's nothing to nothing to scoff at not at all they're playing some good hockey Uh, i actually got to play golf this past week on monday um we're going to talk a little bit about that we're going to talk about sergio garcia and what he did and getting to kind of some hole-in-one information, some some neat tidbits for you guys, also our favorite hole-in-one stories, some submissions from the friends and fam of DNVR Golf and us, and also talk about um, this upcoming week at the Valero Texas Open where we've got quite a, not a star-studded field, but there are a lot of, it's pretty top-heavy overall, and there's guys that it's an interesting week because next week y'all next week is masters week so be looking for a big drive energy full-on masters preview we're going to dive into it talk about all the players we think are going to win that we think aren't that we think are going to struggle and this week's kind of an interesting week because it's a tune-up for most guys and then some guys just decided like lee westwood he was already on to augusta like two weeks ago so he, he played Augusta two weeks ago and then played in the WGC match play and then went back to Augusta. So I think a lot of guys are skipping the Valero Texas Open, but you still got guys like Spieth and Abraham Answer and Tony Finau and guys like that. So it'll be interesting to see if one of our picks, because we've already kind of picked a few guys for the Masters or I have guys that I have my eyes set on, but if they win this week, it's almost a guarantee that they're not going to win back-to-back weeks, especially with the Masters being the second leg, the Sega Baba, the second 
game of a back-to-back. <laughs> well, um, yeah, and the other interesting thing about the Valero Texas Open is the fact that there's quite a few guys that are just outside of getting into the Masters. So a bunch of guys ended up um, adding this to their schedule just as, as some sort of last-ditch effort. Uh, like Ricky Fowler is playing this week. Um, that's the most notable guy who added this tournament to his schedule to try to get into the Masters. So there's guys that definitely have a little extra push for this week just to get into the Masters, and then there's guys who kind of already have their eyes set on Augusta that are maybe just playing as a bit of a tune-up. So um, should be fun. I mean, we could have some guys that have some pretty large odds come out of nowhere and uh, and play pretty darn good. So we're going to give you some of our picks. Um, probably you should fade them. Just shot in the dark. We kind of fucking suck. But uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun couple weeks. Yeah, dude. I, I can't believe we're getting two Masters in like six months. It, it feels like it shouldn't already be here. Like Mitch and I yeah. were discussing just before the podcast, and he's like, Masters is already next week. It's it's like already on us again. And this year we'll get the flowers. We'll get the green grass. And it's going to be a very different setup than just a couple months ago in November. Yeah, well, it almost feels like we're spoiled. I mean, last April absolutely sucked a lot, like a lot of different things. Um, but now that we've had two Masters, one in November and one in April, it almost feels like I want this every year now. I like want there to be – there. it almost feels like we should add a major or something. I mean, the NFL just added a game to their schedule. Why can't golf throw out another major, just add a tournament, you know, have something to look forward to? in late season because the, the that's what's kind of shitty is the major season is so short it feels like now especially since they moved the pga championship from it used to be i think in august and now it's in may i think it's in june. may yeah yeah so it pretty much goes april may june july i think there's one major each month if i'm not mistaken um and then we go eight months without a major it's like god why can't we figure out like some not off season, but like an October, November major? How cool would that be? Oh yeah, just like last year, it was amazing. We yeah, we got to watch Thanksgiving Masters, basically, is what it was. So it turned the holiday season into golf season, which normally for us, especially here in Colorado, with the snow finally gone, we're we're approaching April. We're in April, and uh, the snow has finally left us at the Valley of Fun. So. All right, let's get into, let's start with the hole-in-one. Let's start with Sergio Garcia. What a fucking golf shot. My God. Like, yeah. An absolute dagger to the heart of your boy. And Mitchell didn't realize when he picked Sergio Garcia and Lee Westwood that they would both be in the same bracket. So either kudos yeah, to him for, bonehead. kudos to him for either getting a 50% chance of a guy going to the Sweet 16 or just being an idiot and not giving himself two shots at it. But both played really well and ended up in a, what, fourth playoff hole, hole-in-one. Yeah. Well, and, and real quick, I got to give us a shout-out. And that is that is really the tough thing about gambling. I mean, especially betting golf. You you picked, um, what's his face? Scotty, uh, Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, Scheffler finishes second. Sergio finishes what sixth, mm-hmm. fifth, and we both lose. <laughs> like we everybody, were on the door. everybody loses. Yeah, we we're knocking on the doorstep. Or is that the? Who cares? Uh, we we're knocking on the door all week, 
Like, it looked like, I mean, Sergio was playing great, and then uh, Scheffler was playing great, and Billy Horschel um, hit some squirrely golf shots out there. Honestly, really wasn't that impressed with his ball striking. I didn't watch, like, every single shot of his round, but it was a slow weekend at the Valley of Fun, so I, of course, had the iPad up with the live golf going, and some shots that Horschel hit, I was just flat out not impressed with. Um, we can talk about the drop kick, the absolute D cell drop kick hook, like shit all over himself, which was just one of the funniest, best shots. Like they had a perfect cam- camera angle right down the line. And he literally, he had six iron in his hand. And he hit it like a hundred yards. And that was when it rolled like 40. So he, he just decelerated the shit out of it. You could tell he took a full swing he was trying to saw something off about 70, 80% and just took a full backswing. And we've all been there where you're just like panic mode. Like if I actually rip on this, it's 20, 30 over the green. So you could just see him decelerate. And another one of the best parts about it was the fact that Victor Perez, they had a camera angle on him. This was in the semifinal. And Victor Perez is standing like 70 yards up into the up, well, up the fairway, down closer to the green, and just to the left, the ball went within, like, two yards of him. He's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, he, it, it startled him, which I'm sure you, generally in a PGA Tour event, you know, if you're out playing a Sunday morning game with your buddies who are all hungover or still drunk, you do not want to stand anywhere near in front of them just in case. Like, it doesn't matter how far to the right or left you are. You just stay behind them. Um, but... At a PGA Tour event, you feel like you're pretty safe being 70 yards past a guy on a 160-yard shot uh, and, like, 20 yards to the left. But, yeah, the the Billy Horschel shot ended up coming within, like, a few yards of him, and I'm sure that that shook him up a little bit. And Billy obviously pulled it together just enough to to outlast the field, but it it just looked like a tough week down there. Well, I think – but one of the best parts about the Billy Horschel shot was the hot mic afterwards where, oh, God, that I think it was that's such a bad golf shot. And then you didn't commit to it, Billy. Like, just the hot mic express right after he launched that, like, top rocket left was hilarious. And that's that's what we talked about earlier. In And granted, he's a PGA Tour player, but that's what we talked about when we were previewing this and kind of discussing what match play entails is, he didn't give a shit. One shot, one hole. He was down one, and then he won like three of the next four and took a commanding lead. You know, in a stroke play event, you may make bogey, double bogey, and you kind of stay on the train, but you truly in match play can erase all of that in this in the terms of where you sit compared to the field or whoever you're playing and, and be safe or be fine, you know, and he ends up going on winning the whole tournament. One thing I want to get your thoughts on, I saw on Twitter kind of after the PGA Tour tweeted out Billy Horschel with his trophy and congratulating him whatnot, you know, what they do every single week. What There was so many responses that were like, this is a clown tournament. It should go back to single elimination. I can't believe these guys are playing this many holes, blah, blah, blah. So I want to get your thoughts on what you – I thought it was awesome, dude. I thought having like two rounds a day, I think like Scheffler, played, Scheffler and Horschel played over 100 holes and Kuchar and uh, Perez like in five days, which is – I thought it was awesome, man. I, I liked it. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. For viewership purposes, it's awesome. I mean, it's great. You get – five days straight of just match play in your face 
for basically all day, every day for five days. So who's going to hate that? But from a player's standpoint, it's, I mean, I, fuck, like walking 72 holes is, is quite a bit, you know, like you can't mess around with the kind of shape you're in. Um, and that was actually something they referenced on the telecast was the fact that Billy Horschel is actually one of the most in shape guys on tour. And that worked in his benefit just for stamina purposes, because these guys are not used to playing this amount of golf. I don't care who you are on the PGA tour or whatever. I mean, the, the amount of golf they played is very tiring. I don't care if it's golf. Some people are like, Oh, it's just golf. You know, it's not football or whatever. It's not, it's not a, a circle jerk for lack of a better term and you're in a cart with your buddies on a Sunday morning with a cooler full of a six pack. You're yeah, walking yeah. and you're hoofing you're, it. It's you're hot. locked in for five straight days. It's windy. Lot, yeah. It's, it's wind. Yeah. And the conditions were not easy down there either. Like I said, so these guys were grinding. Like it, it's a grind, especially out in the wind and when you're walking, but it, the, the fact that it is a WGC, and the purse is massive. Winning it is massive for uh, World Golf Ranking points and FedEx Cup points. It's a big deal. So I think those guys probably kind of put that on the back burner. But it's similar to, like, I, if we're comparing sports, the NFL, like we talked about, just added a game to the season. And for viewership, like, who doesn't want another game? Nobody. You know what I mean? Who yeah. doesn't want another week of football? I don't think a single person that's not part of the NFL or p- getting paid by the NFL was upset about the... Br- we we got an extra Broncos home game to go to this fall. Like, oh man, yeah. that fucking oh, blows. Horrible. I feel so bad. Like, yeah. No. And that's the same thing with this week for golf. Like, you kind of have to not put the players on the back burner, but realize they make hundreds of thousands of and millions of dollars playing this game, they can have a tough week here and there. And I, I, I do understand from their perspective, but also it, it's match play too. So sometimes if you play your cards right, you end up playing 13, 14 holes around, you know, or you get knocked out and it's early anyways. But these longer guys, I mean, going to four extra holes with like Lee Westwood and, and Sergio, that shit. That's when it gets a little hairy. I'd be tired as hell. Oh yeah, after you've already played thirty six in a day, and now you got to go to a playoff to just go on play thirty six well, more the next day. It's like good. Well, God. That, that was pool play, so I think they only played eighteen that day. Oh, was it eighteen, 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 thirty six, thirty six? Correct. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. So yeah, they, so <laughs> the guys only they played thirty six on the weekend and don't get me wrong like that's all that's a grind you can't go hitting the bars after saturday night or on a saturday night after your 36 holes and getting shit face like joel diamond did after his w down in putacana but yeah those guys it's a grind but like you said i i would love to see the ratings on this tournament because personally i think i'm with a lot of people um I love golf, obviously. It's my profession and my living. But I, every week, week in, week out, the stroke play events do get a little old. There's certain courses that I like watching them on and this and that. But when you throw a match play event out there, the ratings just go through the roof, in my opinion. And I, I would love to see the numbers. I'm not sure if we can pull them up or not. But 
I bet the ratings were awesome. And it was all day. I mean, like, the the telecast started at 8 a.m. on Sunday. I'm like, why is not – why can't we have every tournament like this? You know what I mean? We're waiting till noon or 1 o'clock, especially um, if they're over on the West Coast or whatever, for them to even start the telecast. And with this tournament, you're going from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., nonstop, all-day match play. I just think it's such a fun tournament to watch. And I was kind of hoping I, – I, I don't want to shit-talk them, but – the last four was just a little lame. Um, it wasn't quite the, the star-studded final four that we were hoping for. Well, and we didn't even talk about this. What was it? There wasn't a seed under 30 that made it to the final four. I think Horschel and Scheffler were in the 30s. And uh, fuck, I forget who else, but they were all kind of – they were all higher seeds. Let's put it that way. Victor Perez – wasn't he one of the last to get into I think the he tournament? Was, yeah, he was like a 50 seed, and then Scheffler was 32. Like, the, the final match was a 32 and a 30 seed. So it was like UCLA versus a 9 uh, seed. Oregon, Oregon State. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what it was. It was, it's, it was crazy. And um, So going back real quick to Sergio's hole-in-one, because hole-in-ones are impressive, right, in general. They're, they're sometimes impressive. They take a lot of luck. They do take some skill because – if they didn't take any skill and it was all luck, a pro, all but every pro would not have as many hole in ones as they do, and every every random golfer like me and you wouldn't have as few as we do. Zero for me. Um, we'll get into your hole in ones. Oh. I'll give you a few minutes to just like you know simmer t- on it. Yeah, just touch yourself over your hole in ones. But um, so here's here's some hole in one stats for you, and this is via hole in one. Uh, NationalHoleInOneRegistry.com. So here, let's let's turn this into a little bit of a guessing game for you, since I've got the I've got the cheaters here. You've got the data. All right, so we've got 450 million rounds are played uh, of golf every year. How many? So a hole in one is scored once in every blank rounds. Let's see if you can get it. So 450 million. Yeah. Holy so, shit, that's a lot of golf. Yeah, so um, how many rounds are how many rounds I would guess once every between 100 and 150. Rounds? No. Uh, okay. Yes. We are way off there. We're just going to we're going to move on. 3500. 3500. Oh, so wow. so thinking of that in Spring Valley's terms, we played 37,000 rounds last year, so we had about yeah, we had about 8 to 10 hole in ones. I'd say that's pretty on par with uh, good pun, golf pun there with uh, what we did at Spring Valley because I have to fill out all the hole in one registry stuff and send it in plaques blah blah blah. You said third every one in every thirty five hundred. Yeah, so basically, yeah, I don't know what percentage it is. I'm not that good at math. There's over one hundred and twenty eight thousand hole in ones each year in America. This is just America for the record. Um, what's the average handicap of all the hole-in-ones that have been registered to the National Hole-in-One Registry? Um, I guess like an eight. Fourteen. Oh my god. Isn't that nuts to think about? Like basically a bogey golfer is essentially the ones getting a whole most, you know, like averaging and out folks, the field. just for reference, we're not knocking higher handicaps, but you have to, for reference, there is players that play for a living that don't have hole-in-ones like it it just blows my mind um how how much luck actually is involved and you really can't break it down into a percentage or whatever 
but there's guys who play a hundred times, 150 rounds a year for the last 10, 15 years who don't have one. And I mean, there's plenty of guys like Jack Nicholas, I think had like 20 something like that's nuts, but there is players who play professionally full time who do not have one. So just the fact that a 14 handicap is the most frequent handicap registered is, is nuts. Yeah, and so 45% of all hole-in-ones are made with a Titleist golf ball. So that's wow. the number one ball in golf. That's their only slogan because their clubs suck. But their, yeah, their, go- plug. their golf their balls clubs, are... Their clubs don't suck. They're, they're just not... Their woods suck. They're Yeah, they're just not great. They don't put as much effort into them as they could because they know they they just sell millions of... or bill, I'm sorry, billions of dollars worth of golf balls every year. So they don't need to manufacture anything else like like these other guys do, but that's a, uh, that's not surprising. Yeah. And so, um, this actually happened in Colorado last year and got pretty, pretty viral on the, on the Twitter, I think, and on Facebook and the news, I think even covered it, but, um, the two hole in ones in one round, and it was actually made by a guy at Lakewood country club. And we played with the pro last year up, uh, what was that course in Boulder we played? Lake Valley. Lake Valley, yeah. We played Lake Valley, and then um, we played with the head pro at Lakewood Country Club who went to college with us, or with myself and some other buddies. And he had a guy make two hole-in-ones in one round. And that the odds of that happening are 67 million to one. And so, what are some That's other... Just, that is just asinine. Yeah, the most... I mean, like... What do you think the most hole-in-ones scored by one person is? I, I think this... I don't think this is in, in factoring in tour players, I'm pretty sure. Non-tour players? Yeah. I would, like, what amount? Yeah, how many... How many... Most hole-in-ones scored by one person according to nationalholeinoneregistry.com? I would go, like, 13 or 14. 26. 26 holy shit yeah um average this is this is a good one here so average no well average age so 57 percent of hole-in-ones are made by mid handicappers so from 10 to 19s um 40 percent of hole-in-ones are made with a 7 8 or 9 iron um how many percent of golfers are 50 and older when they make a hole-in-one how many percent of the hole-in-ones made are golfers 50 and older? I'd, I'd say like 55, 60%. 60%. 60%. That is a crock of shit, essentially, is what it is. <laughs> well, dude, let, let's also be real here. Not a knock on anybody, but generally the shorter tees you play, the better chance you have of making a hole-in-one. Well, yeah. And- We've talked about proximity to the hole from certain distances, no matter what handicap you are. And so older guys play, or older women, anybody, and women generally play the red tees either way, but older men are usually playing the white tees versus the blue tees or the black tees. And so they have a better chance of making a hole-in-one just before they even step on the tee box, no matter what handicap you are, because we've already found out that handicap really doesn't matter. <laughs> like at this point, you could – just a quick example – and I know we're going to tell a few hole-in-one stories, but we had a buddy out of Spring Valley named Brandon Brown, and he legitimately was like a 40 or 50 handicap. Couldn't really get the ball in the air. It was fine. He played in their men's league and just went out and drank like probably 12 Bud Lights, had himself a good old time. But he gets to number two at Spring Valley, and if you've played out there in the Valley of Fun, 
you know that two is a kind of a downhill par three, but there's fairway in front of the green, so you can kind of roll it up there. Um, so Brandon, this is probably seven or eight years ago, he cold tops one off the white tee box. It hits the fairway and just burns all the way down the fairway, fucking rolls up to the front of the green, rolls in for a hole-in-one, and it never got airborne. <laughs> and he has a hole-in-one to his name. And so th- that, like, if you just want an idea of how much luck can be involved, that is, like, the epitome of a hole-in-one. Because he's, like like I said, a 40 or 50. I think his good rounds for nine holes would be probably somewhere in the low to mid-50s. Um, very beginner golfer, like, played for maybe a year or two at the time. But he has a hole-in-one. And there's players out of Spring Valley that are plus handicaps that don't have one. Um, including Spencer. I don't know if you could call him a plus handicap anymore, but he does not have a hole-in-one. Our old pro, Justin Serbo, does not have a hole-in-one. But he'll tell you he has two albatrosses, which are more rare than hole-in-ones. Um, there's plenty of really good players without them, which is crazy. And then there's plenty of average to below average players that do have them. So. Well, yeah, every year when we get people that submit them or bring the form in and they come into the pro shop to fill out a form, I'm like, really? You? Like, I, I, another buddy, we'll just continue the Brandon train, um, our buddy Brandon Bayshore played a random-ass round at Spring Valley, probably plays like twice or three times a year, comes in, oh, I made all one 17. I'm like, oh, my God. And, you know, like, it's just one of those things where, for me, for you, you are in the club. You're <laughs> in the club. Look at, I'm with just the generally happy for people when they succeed. So I, oh, I shut up. That's such a fuck. <laughs> To ask Mitchell before his first hole in one, and everybody that gets it, he's throwing up his hands. Like, um, but no, really, it honestly does piss me off. I'm not gonna lie about it. It annoys me because I worked so hard at my game. Just kidding, but I, <laughs> I've hit enough good golf shots in my life that one of them, I've made eagle on almost every hole at Spring Valley, holding it out from the fairway. Yet I've never made one in one. Um, a few more stats before we move on from this and, and tell some a few hole-in-one stories that got submitted. And ironically, when we tweet things out, normally we get a pretty good response. But when we tweeted out some hole-in-one stories, we got very to little, little to no response from people. <laughs> very and to little. Very to little to no response. And I think that's probably due to the fact that it's so highly unlikely to happen once every 3,500 rounds. Um, but... The uh, the average age of experience of a hole-in-one, so somebody that's golfed for X amount of years, is 24. And I can say of last year, when I, of what I remember, I wanna get, I'm want to get. i just going to say for numbers' sake, there was 10 hole-in-ones made at Spring Valley last year. I think nine of them, other than Brandon's, or at least eight of them, were made by people that were probably 60-plus years old and played golf for a long time. And those are, those are the real fun ones. Um, because one of the most ass-backwards things in the entire world is the fact that when you make a hole-in-one, you have to buy the entire bar drinks. And some people will just dip out. Um, that's a cowardly play. you got to at least go into the bar and give people a chance to order a drink. But the tradition's completely backwards. But that's beyond me. That's Golf is way older than we are, and we're never going to essentially spin, be... Spin zone, that's why you haven't made one yet, because you don't want to pay for that bar tab. No, believe me, it's, I, that's it's been worth intentional. it. That's worth it. I did buy a round of shots at the DNVR bar last Friday night for the entire bar, so I'm not. I'm not scared of. I'm Was not, that before or after you fell through the entire table and broke like thirty glasses? I'm pretty sure it was before that. 
Um, <laughs> but so we got some stories. Um, our buddy Ross Galman. So he made a hole in one. He said, My only hole in one was at Spring Valley, number 17. It was during one of his high school tournaments. He said, My first shot, however, went short right into the woods and I couldn't find it. I was told to re tee and made a hole in one for par. So, you know, that's one of those where you're never going to count it as a hole in one, but it's tech, like, kind of technically a hole in one. Yeah, that's, 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 that's what a we, tough one to call. That's what we call a great par. No, um, yeah, that's that is like the the savviest par you'll ever find. There's not a better one. Oh yeah, that's a that's a match play kicker for a par right there. Oh god, can you imagine that, <laughs> dude? I would probably just walk well, off the course. It, I already would have done it when like if I was Lee Westwood, I would have just been like, "Are you fucking yeah, kidding me?" Lee Westwood tweeted out, "He's like, I thought I'd seen it all. I guess not. Like he was shocked. He that shit just does not happen to you." Um, I've got another pretty good story. I played in this tournament with this guy named um, Ben Sauls. He's this lifer, mini-tour guy, really good player. He, I think he's won 30 or 40 mini-tour events. Um, he made a living doing it. I, I think I met him when he was like 51 or 52, and he'd been doing it since he was 22. And uh, so he's he's a really good stick, but he played full-time. He's I, I He may still play full-time. He had... He had some Champions Tour status. He made it into some PGA Tour events, whatever. I mean, very good player. But he, we were talking about hole-in-ones when I was playing with him a few years back. And he, he, played, he started playing full-time when he was 22. And he did not have a – and he probably started golf when he was like six or seven. And so he, he played all the way until he was 32 years old, played full-time from 22 to 32 – professionally and had never had a hole in one and then he made he's proceeded to make 12 in 10 months he went one calendar year or less than a calendar year and he made a dozen in less than a year basically one a month and the last one that he made was a walk-off to win a tournament a mini tour event the last hole 18 was a par three and he was trailing by a shot and hold it out and basically walked it off like Sergio style. So that is absolutely clinically insane. I can't imagine the emotional high I would be running on. I, I, well, the first one I make, I'm going to be running on that for a year at least maybe two. Oh yeah, dude. I can only imagine it was probably like just like ripping a line or something. I don't (laughs) know. Like just injecting it in your straight into your veins. There's a certain high about sports that literally drugs or anything cannot like you can't duplicate it. Well, and it's just a uh, it's nuts. And what makes that high even better is not only sports, but when you're watching sports and betting on sports with the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. So we're into the full swing of the NCAA tournament. We're down to the final four. It's UCLA, it's Houston, it's Gonzaga, and it's the Baylor Bears. And DraftKings is putting together, so first of all, you're going to log on to DraftKings. If you've never, you're a new user, this is the best for you. You're going to use our code DNVR when you log on to DraftKings, and they're giving you 100 to 1 odds on any, basically all you have to do is pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt, uh, and you win $100 off a $1 bet when you sign up with a new user and the promo code DNVR. Click that promo and pick the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Bulldogs? 
Is that what they are? I think they're Bulldogs. I think it's the dog. Yeah, I, I think so. We'll check. We'll uh, we'll be fact fact checked on that. But so put your money on Gonzaga. One dollar. You're gonna have a hundred dollars to use in that DraftKings account. And then you follow our guys at the DNVR Bets account. You follow our Nuggets pregame shows. They give you bets. And all of a sudden your account turns into five hundred, and you're buying yourself a new set of golf clubs. So get over to DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code DNVR. And you get one to one hundred odds on any pick for the rest of the tournament. Pick the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I'm telling you right now. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR when you sign up and turn one dollar into one hundred. If the college basketball team Gonzaga of your choosing pulls off the win, for only for a limited time at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be twenty-one or older, Colorado only, and new customers only and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred. Alright, we got a couple more stories to share. Uh, our buddy Blake Thurman. This is actually cool because so he said side note, we'll start with the side note. So both of his older brothers don't have an official hole in one. My good friend Corey and his other brother, Kyle. And they're both like avid golfers, like Corey's a professional, like we are, and they don't have one. But Blake said he was at the Ranch Country Club on number four. He was working in the bag room at the time, was playing with three co-workers. It was 169 yards, nice, with an eight iron. He said the pin was in the middle, and he struck it really well, going straight for the pin, lands and disappears. That's always an exciting feeling. I've had that feeling quite a few times, and then I get up to find that it's on the back edge of the green or over the green, which isn't great. Always check the cup, but he said, we drive up, check the cup, and sure enough, there it is. Luckily, I wasn't 21, so I didn't have to buy any drinks. And he also said he made the mistake of teeing off on the next hole with the ball that he made the hole-in-one with, but he ended up stopping that trend, and he didn't lose it. So thanks for the, thanks for the story, Blake. There, I'm sure there's a bunch of amazing ones out there. These We did get one submission from Lorita Josh on Twitter. And he said he made one once with the wrong club. So that's a pretty incredible feat. Um, I've hit the wrong club once. I hit a nine when I thought I was hitting a six. And I actually hit it so thin. I hit it right in the forehead that it ended up being good. And then I was like, why? That feels so bad, but looked like the flight of a six iron. And I looked in my bag and it was a nine iron. So, Yeah, um, it sounds like it was the right club. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, I don't there's, think there's no you can say you hit the wrong club and made a hole in one. I don't think those things can mutually exist together. Exactly. Whatever club you hit at the time is going to be the right club if you make a hole in one. Um, Why don't we give so you I'll, give you the podium for a minute? You can have your two yeah. two minutes of fame. I'm going to put my my computer on mute. Well, so <laughs> everybody gives me shit for this because two of my hole in ones are on a short course. And not everybody gives me shit for it. It's a long and heated debate that I will vehemently deny. But some people think that a par three or a, a hole in one on a par three course or a short course is not a hole in one. And I I can get that if it's like sixty yards. But if it's a full length hole, if it's a hundred plus yards, and you make a hole in one, and feel free to jump in at any time. I think you're probably well. What do you think? I've got you on mute. <laughs> okay, well, so two of mine are actually on the exact same hole at Car at a Golf Club at, on the par three course. They need to rename that hole for you. I know. Just that should be my hole. I should own that hole. I do love the hole. It's one of my favorite golf holes I've ever played. I loved it before I made a hole in one. But it, uh, 
it's a hundred. I think one of them was like 108 and one of them was like 106 or 105, something like that. So it's a full golf shot. And if people want to come at me saying it's not a fucking hole in one, I'll argue with you all day. I'll fight you on it because it's, there's plenty of good short par threes out there that on tour or wherever that you can make a hole. Like there's a par three at Marion where they played the U S open. It's like, it played like 115 yards or something like that. There's, plenty of good really good golf holes out there that are that short um so you can't shit talk that one uh or you i mean people are going to but i i just won't hear it the one you cannot shit talk of mine is number seven out at the valley of fun uh it was 221 to a front left pin with a four iron a little bit downwind and off the right and i just flushed it it landed six feet just short right in that little bowl and just rolled like a putt right into the hole. And I was actually just far enough away to where I couldn't confirm that I saw it go down. So I was like very prepared for it to have rolled over the back of the green. I was, I was a little sketched out. I was, I didn't want to get too excited, but my heart rate was just going because I could have sworn I saw it disappear and my heart rate was through the roof and I get up there and it's in the hole and, I naturally uh, borderline had a heart attack, which was it, it just felt really good to get one at the home track, you know, get one at the place you grew up playing. And I actually did go into the bar ready to like throw down four or five hundred dollars. And uh, there was like four people in there. I think it was like a Tuesday night or a Monday night. So I kind of lucked out, but it's almost like a rite of passage. You want to, I hate when people cheap out on it. Like, no, you made a hole in one. The tradition sucks, but that's beside the point. So you made a hole in one, take it on the chin, open up a tab, throw your credit card behind the bar and tell people to get after it. You do need to watch out for the leeches though, that you really don't like, but they're like, oh, I heard so-and-so made a hole in one. Or or somebody's headed straight for the McAllen or the... Yeah, oh yeah, the doers, yeah. like aged bullshit. Yeah, no, you're you're getting a well drink. You're getting a, and a lot of guys on, You're getting a. Yeah, I would say Breck Brew, but they're they're higher quality than a, a shitty Coors Light. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, but you can even buy a whole keg. Like a lot of guys on tour will just fill up an entire cooler, like one of those kind of like drink coolers, um, full of ice, and they'll just fill it with like three or four hundred beers. And uh, so let the boys were, have a Donnybrook with the beers. Yeah, let's fucking have a day. Let's let's get mangled. Well, so and they just get after it. So speaking of hole in ones at Spring Valley Golf Club, we are actually potentially this is not confirmed yet, but there's a really good chance that we're going to do a hole in one challenge here coming up in the next month. Um, we're going to have live streams out there at the golf course. I think we're going to do it on a Monday. Uh, there's a good chance that some Colorado radio and TV legends will be there with us. Uh, there's a great chance that our Ryan Konigsberg, our own DNVR's finest, will be there with us. And we're going to dial it in on number 17 at the Valley of Fun. We're going to make a, a front pin location, probably going to play in the 140 to 150 range. And we're going to go at it until our hands are sore is the plan. So be t- looking out for that, of course. We'll tweet it out, tweet the video, get a YouTube, whatever. But uh, look out for that towards the end of this month. I think it's going to be a real good time. And hopefully one of us knocks one in, and hopefully it's me, and then I can just say I have a hole-in-one because I'm not – I'm claiming it if I make one that day because that is the point of the day. 
I don't care if it takes me fifteen hundred shots. I'm I'm canning one. So that's fair. I'll I'll give it to you. I'll I'll give you a good pat on the back. Nice <laughs> warm and fuzzies. All right. So before we get out of here this week, we got to do what we always do and give you guys our DraftKings pick of the week. So like we talked about a little bit earlier, the the Valero Texas Open is kind of a top heavy field. There's some real good players in it, but also a lot of guys kind of playing this week more for fun, just more to keep their game in shape. Um, there's some interesting facts actually about the Valero Texas Open that I didn't know until I started doing my my research. And it's actually, it was first played in 1922. And it's the third oldest oldest PGA Tour event. The, it was the fifth oldest if you count like the US Open, which was 1895 and the PGA Championship, which started in 1916. Um, but so it's a fifth oldest professional golf tournament in North America. And it's the oldest professional golf tournament to have been held in the same city its entire existence. So down in San Antonio, uh, amazing time there. That city's phenomenal. And I'm, I'm like, there's a bunch of guys from Texas. So this is going to be kind of a hometown event for a lot of guys. And um, I'm excited to see her picking. I wonder if we, once again, we don't talk about these picks before. So if we have some twin telepathy, you really got to go all in on that guy or just ultimate fade him. One thing I will say is as much love as I have for Scotty Scheffler, and that's what's fun about betting, betting in general, but betting golf is like one week I'll hate a guy, and the next week I love him. And this week, like I do, I think Scotty Scheffler, after all the golf he played last week, and looking forward to the Masters, is now um, a guy going to be on the outside looking in of the the leaderboard this week, and maybe just taking the weekend off and heading over to Augusta early. So, uh, what are your picks for this week, brother? All right, so this one was. <sighs> It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's why I, I kind of like it. Ooh, I'm going to have one other last-second play. Um, Ricky Fowler, plus 7,500 uh, to take it home to get that Masters invite. That's pretty fat odds. Shit, 10 bucks wins you $750. Um, can't really turn that down. You know, there's nobody more than him that wants to get in there. Um, so that's a winner, 7,500 Rick, Rick Fowler. Um Joel Dahman playing very good golf. We really didn't touch on his his W down in Punta Cana, but big congratulations to him. What a Twitter legend. If you've never seen his Twitter game, follow him. He's just the kind of dude you could definitely drink a few with, uh, party with, throw a few back. He's just one of the most down-to-earth guys on tour by the seams of it. But uh, Well, and that story came out about him after he won, and like he had, he's had cancer. He's a cancer survivor. His wife was working two jobs so he could play on mini-tours. And I think that's the that's the part about golf that goes unseen by ninety percent of people that casually watch it and don't like deeply care about it is the grind that it takes to get up to the PGA Tour and and what your family and loved ones and what you have to do sleeping in cars, getting the cheapest hotels just to try to make it. And now Joel Dahman's gonna go. He's gonna go play in the Masters. He's he's got himself pretty set for a couple of years, and and he's he said he's gonna enjoy it, and it's. He almost lost his bucket hat, actually, after the tournament, too, which was hilarious because it blew back and almost into the water, but his caddy saved it. I saw the video of that. Pretty pretty incredible stuff from Joel Dahman. So you riding the Dom? You riding the Dom? Uh, yeah. The Dom I got train? him. I don't think he's going to win, but he's plus 1,000 to top five, and he's playing very good golf, and Valero is one of those places where he's not that long of a hitter, but you just need to be a good ball striker. You need to be on point and know where your ball's going. That's the name of Joel's game. So I got him plus a thousand at top five, um, and then I got a ride with a hometown boy, uh, one of the butteriest, 
draw swings you will ever see on tour. He's should he really should have won more at this point, but he's a Texas guy. He played at Texas A and M. Uh, Ryan Palmer is plus twenty five hundred to win it, and like Spencer said, there's a lot of guys from Texas, so I really like the home cook in there. Um, but Palmer, just watch him swing and just the rhythm and the the tempo that he swings with, and just the butteriness. I think his his putters let him down more than anything in his career because. If you watch the dude swing the club, it looks like he should have won at least 10 times on tour. So uh, last pick is going to be Ryan Palmer, plus 2,500 to get the dub. I like it. Yeah, Ryan Palmer hasn't won in like 10 years, and you've seen a couple of players this year on tour kind of recreate that that old spark that they had in winning tournament events. So I actually do like the Ryan Palmer pick as well. I'm gonna. So Mitchell gave you the long shots. I'm going to go with the the quote-unquote sure things, which there really is never a sure thing in betting, and especially betting golf. So you're going to go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. You're going to click on Valero Texas Open, and then when you see tournament lines and finishing position, you're going to go over to the right. You're going to click top 20, and you're going to click on two guys that are even odds. So you bet a dollar, you win a dollar. You bet a unit, excuse me, you win a unit, whatever your unit out there is. Um, Two guys, both... Even odds to to top twenty it, and that's Abraham Answer and Corey Connors. And Answer is a hometown guy. He's from Texas. He won in Mexico, I want to say, a couple months or like a month ago. Um, he's playing some real good golf. He's like seems to be at the top of the leaderboard, the top five every single tournament. So lock in Abraham Answer top twenty at plus a hundred. And then another guy that I swear to God is leading every tournament at the end of the first round. The Canadian Corey Connors. Uh, he's going to get a chance to go to the Masters, hopefully, so he's going to be looking to looking to bolster that um, resume and maybe take home the W finally. Like I said, he's been the leader of the first round or second round, I think, I want to say at least three or four of the last five to six tournaments. So he's always up there at the top of the leaderboard, so take him to top 20. And then my last one, which is a little bit more of a long shot, um, but not quite winning long shot. And by the way, sprinkle a little bit on Abraham answer to win it. Uh, I just want to be right if he does win it. Not only say that I won the top 10 bet, but he, I am going to sprinkle sprinkle a little bit on him winning the tournament at plus 2,000. Um, but I think a great pick here for me this week and to top 10 it is Charlie Hoffman at plus 300. So he's a guy that's actually out of the field right now um, going into next week at the Masters, and he needs a win in order to solidify that little piece of paper that tells him he gets to go down to Augusta, Georgia. And he's actually played this tournament 14 times, and he's made 14 cuts, and he's gotten top 15 in this tournament 11 out of 14 times. So he's a horse for a course. He's not playing the greatest of golf right now, but there's a thing in life called desperation, and sometimes it puts you on the right end of things, and sometimes it puts you on the wrong end of things. So go ahead and lock in Charlie Hoffman to make or to top 10 it at plus 300. So bet one unit to win three and collect four from the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So Love it. Love to see it. Well, thank you guys all for joining us again for another week. Look for our Masters preview coming out probably Tuesday morning of next week. We'll dive deep into all the players, the what the course is going to look like this year, how it's different from last year. We'll give you some picks, 
um, talk about just the amazing event that this is and, and hopefully it gets a ton of ratings like it always does. And then um, you're going to want to check us out on Twitter at Big Drive Spence and at Big Drive Mitch and obviously our main golf account at DNVR Golf. Tell a friend or seven. Uh, we're growing every day, so we appreciate all the listens, all the clicks, all the interaction on our Twitter. That's like one of our favorite things is when we tweet something out, we love to get interaction from people. And then next weekend with Masters coming up, on Sunday, we're going to be live streaming from the DNVR bar. So if you want to come watch some golf, come on down. We'll we'll talk golf with you all day. We're going to do a live stream from the studio upstairs towards the back nine and a little post-round um, talk about who won and what a great tournament it was. And obviously, there's going to be some great things happening. So continue to follow along with us. We appreciate all the listens, all the views, all the clicks. I will be uh, Big Drive Spence, and Mitchell is... Big Drive Mitch. Don't forget to follow us on all the socials. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you all next week. It's Masters Week. Peace.